Welcome to Sexual Craftsmanship, the podcast that teaches you how to develop sexual confidence and become a better lover using a system of practice suited for dating and sex in today's world. No experience necessary. And now, here's your host, certified sex coach, sociologist, and mega nerd, Sarah Martin. Hello, craftsmen. How are you doing? I am pretty great. There's a lot of really wonderful stuff going on at the moment. I wanted to remind you one of those wonderful things is that on October 8th at noon New York time, so that's 5 p.m. in London, 6 p.m. in Berlin, I will be going live on the Wiltzig Erotic Art Museum Facebook page in their Tea and Sex series talking all about pickup artists. So you're all invited to come and have a listen. And I encourage you to check out the Tea and Sex series. They've had a lot of really amazing people sharing about their expertise. I will include a link to their page in the notes for this episode. So today fantastic topic, one that I've had several people asking me to cover. So here it comes, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about touch communication, both generally and within the context of dating, sex, and relationships. So let's maybe begin at the beginning. What are we addressing here? What challenges come up for people around touch communication? I think a lot of the, the concerns that people bring to me about touch communication, about how does it work, when is it okay, I think a lot of that has a root in this belief or the idea that touch is inherently sexual. And this is something that's fairly ubiquitous in society, though it does have cultural variations from place to place. And this can also fall along gendered lines as well. I find that this idea of sexualized touch is very often associated with men. Another, another piece of the puzzle here around touch communication is that all of us are now living in an environment where, by and large, we're lacking a variety of touch experiences. And I want you to just kind of close your eyes for a moment and think what do I touch during a given day? Like, what am I actually interacting with in terms of my touch sense throughout the day? And one thing that a lot of us here in 2020 will have as an answer to that is my phone. And think about it. That's spending a lot of time touching glass where there's not really any texture or it's very smooth, where there's not much of a landscape to be exploring with your fingers. And in that case, touch is more an extension of your visual sense, right? Because you're watching your screen and you're manipulating objects as you see them on the screen with a finger. And that might seem like, why are you bringing this up? But I think it's really relevant because as we lose our connection with our touch sense or where we're detached from it and that all those little moments can add up to challenges with touch communication and I mentioned earlier how there can be gendered dimensions when it comes to touch one other gendered element are 
the different experiences that we have in developing touch fluency, in particular during our early life and our childhood, there's research that shows that parents stop touching, affectionate touching boy children much earlier than girl children, and where that affectionate touch isn't as encouraged or isn't as much of a regular feature, that's profound, right? Because our early life is where we gain a lot of the basic skills of linguistic fluency, spoken communication. Being cut off from that practice, from that early learning, it leaves an impact. Another thing that I find gets in the way of touch communication for a lot of people is anxiety. Anxiety specifically around touch as if touch is somehow inherently bad or shameful or there's something wrong with wanting to connect with others in that way. And that is a twofold effect that anxiety has because on the one hand, it often stops people, right? It often freezes people from making any attempt at touch communication at all. And then in those cases where someone does make an attempt at touch communication, it's very clear when touch is coming from an anxious energy, which can cause push-away reactions, which can, can spark off a vicious cycle to where you feel even less able and even more anxious about touch than you did before. This can lead to all of these various factors can compound and lead to touch miscommunications where you make an attempt at touch and it's really not well received. Or similarly, someone makes an attempt at touch communication with you, which is just totally off the mark and not appropriate for the circumstances that you're in at that moment. And what all of that can lead to, what you have is a resulting lack of practice among very many people in our world when it comes to how to communicate with touch. The main point I want to drive home is that the best way to conceptualize touch is as a language. And if you've ever had the experience of trying to learn a foreign language, this is actually a pretty good approximation of how touch works. Thinking about a phrase book, when you travel to Spain and you want to find out where a cafe is. You open up your Spanish phrase book and you kind of sound out to a passerby, you know, donde esta uh, un restaurante. Okay, so you've managed to speak a little bit of Spanish. Great. The problem is <laughs> the person that you've asked the question to they rattle off directions. Okay, so you got to go two blocks that way and then hang a left at the pharmacy and then there's this amazing little cafe. You'll really love it. And if all you've done is read from a phrase book, then you're not going to understand the answer you just received. And what's more, you're not really going to have any of the language you need to ask other questions. Whereas as a student of language, right, as a more fluent language learner. Let's say you take that same trip to Spain, but maybe you've had a couple of years worth of Spanish classes and you've practiced and maybe you're not always on point. Maybe you don't know every word. However, you have enough there in order to have a dynamic conversation in the moment. And this to me is really the difference between 
Kino routines. Any of my peeps out there that have ever been exposed to pickup artist materials, you'll know what that is. For those who haven't, Kino routines are patterns of touch to follow to hopefully arrive at a certain result, most often in bed with someone new. Then I understand why those things are so attractive. What it does is it doesn't have anything in a Kino routine that explains Okay, so then if the person leans back away from you, that means this. But if they lean into your touch, that means this. It's just a very one-sided set of actions. So what's the solution then? What do we do about this? Approaching touch as a language, this is the gateway to changing entirely the approach that you take and will really enable and empower you to go out and have wonderful touch experiences. Part of how you start to build these skills, part of how you learn more and more how to speak touch, is you want to bring more awareness and variety to your touch sense every single day. And I want you to also take some time and try and understand what the meanings of touch in your life have been so far. What messages did you receive about touch? And you need to understand that they're there and they do have an impact on you. And I think part of how we all can become better touch communicators is by really embracing touch as another way to connect, as another way to communicate, as almost as equally useful as the English that I'm speaking to you now in order to share my thoughts, my feelings, my experience with you. By giving touch that equal footing, it it actually really empowers it. And it empowers you to go forth and be a touch communicator. Also, everybody, you have got to get into your body. Disembodied touch communication is one of the ways that everything goes haywire. So I'd mentioned earlier about the impact that anxiety can have when it comes to touch communication and how that can really be felt by the person on the other side if there's a lot of anxiety behind touch. Part of why that is, is because often when we're anxious, right, we're up in our heads. We're up here thinking, oh, does she like that? Is this weird? I don't know. Should I be doing this? Shouldn't I be doing this? Your presence, your attention is up in your mind while your hand is out here doing something. That's a very disembodied way to be. And by... Mastering touch communication, which I mean, like there's actually no end point with this. So by becoming really comfortable and integrating touch communication into how you interact and talk with the world, a number of great things can come from this. First of all, you're able to communicate clearly and you leave a lot less to chance because how many people here have done the thing, right, where maybe you're on a date with somebody and you like them. You want to signal that, not just with your words, but you also want to add a physical component, right? And so maybe you reach out to touch them on the hand or on the shoulder. And inside, you're kind of like crossing your fingers like, oh my God, I hope this goes okay. That's leaving an awful lot to chance. Whereas the opportunity here is that you can be really clear when you communicate rather than just guessing about how this might land. You also open up greater access to sensory pleasure. And that's important because, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, I think pleasure and experiencing pleasure without shame is a revolutionary concept. 
You also then get access to multiple communication methods. This is one thing I want to emphasize is that neither is superior, right? Touch or verbal communication, and both are really complementary to each other. I think what some people are hoping when they come and ask me about touch communication is that I can teach them some magical way that they don't ever have to talk about things in a relationship and where everything can be okay, just done through touch. Doesn't work like that. Instead, what you want is to be able to use your words together with your touch and together with your body language in order to communicate on multiple levels with your partners. By integrating touch communication and coming to incorporate it into your life, you also have a real opportunity here for empowerment and for understanding what's going on. I think a lot of people experience confusion around touch communication, and this is the way that you end that confusion. It also helps you to be flexible, to create more connections, and to feel confident in your sex and relationship life. With that said, I'd like to get into some of the nitty-gritty about how you actually do this. So the first thing to understand is that with touch, you can send five main messages. That's healing, affectionate, sensual, erotic, and sexual. And most forms of touch fall within these categories. And what this is, this is the touch continuum. It's a concept that was developed by Dr. Patty Britton, and where I'm going to be sharing it with you here today, together with some practical exercises, so you can try out with yourself and feel this difference in touch. The first form of touch is healing touch. This is often the kind of touch that you might associate with nurses or with a physiotherapist. It's the kind of touch that you really want to receive when you're sick or you're tired or you're in pain. And healing touch is, hmm, maybe an exercise is a great way to illustrate it. So I'd love for you to take a deep breath with me in through your nose and out through your mouth. And close your eyes and have your hands before you. And I want you to call to mind sometime when you were visiting a sick friend or relative. And you can kind of recall that energy, that someone that you care about is ill. And then with your own forearm, using one of your hands, how would you touch that person to communicate that you're there, that you care? It would probably be quite gentle, right? It would probably be quite still, or it would be a slow stroke. And that is one way you can get inside each of these types of touch is through a little bit of practice with yourself. The next level up on the touch continuum is affectionate touch. It's playful, it's light, it's kind of silly. This is the patting someone on the back after, hey, yeah, that's awesome, great news. It could be making bunny rabbit ears behind someone's head in a picture. It could be high-fiving, fist bumping, elbow bumping in this era of COVID. 
there's a lightness and a fun inside of affectionate touch. There's a joyful energy. If you close your eyes and you're again playing around with touch on your forearm and you imagine that you are celebrating with friends and how would you communicate that celebration through your touch? What I'm doing to my forearm here is I've got like a happy padding that I'm doing, which is kind of like a yeah, 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 yeah feeling. So that is the energy of affectionate touch. The next level on the touch continuum is sensual touch. And this is touch for the simple pleasure of touch. And this can take so many different forms in the context of sex and relationships. It can also take a lot of forms in our everyday interactions with ourselves. So sensual touch could be like when you're in the shower in the morning, you're there and you're standing in the water. And if you close your eyes and bring your focus of attention to somewhere on your back that it feels really nice to have that warm water touching your skin and to then just spend some time inside of that sensation, that sensual pleasure, right? That sensual touch. This can also look like within a, a relationship context that using touch to bring about pleasure. So on your own forearm again, if you imagine, how can you touch your own forearm so it feels really nice? Maybe it's a light stroke, which is, hmm, it's kind of tingly, kind of interesting. Or you might do a caress with a little bit more pressure. Sensual touch also often has this slower speed. Yeah, and you kind of just, well, where is that point of enjoyment? The crucial thing about sensual touch is it's about enjoyment of the sensation of touch for its own sake. Your next level up, that's erotic touch. And this is a particularly interesting type of touch to play with because it's a very anticipatory energy and it's a very intimate form of touch, but it's not yet sexual. One way to think of this is, is the way someone might run their fingers through someone's hair as they're moving to kiss them or some other activities that we might associate with foreplay. So maybe you're grinding against your partner while you're making out on a sofa. These are both examples of erotic touch where there is this tension behind it. It's this anticipation of something potentially more to come. It's a practice, it's a discipline to be able to play with this energy and then stop with trying this touch out on yourself. It's, it's harder to do in, in just a couple of moments. Close your eyes and I would suggest rotating your arm around so you're touching the slightly more sensitive skin on your wrist. And something that can get a little bit erotic is if you use your nails. And then with erotic touch, that's putting a little bit more pressure and adding a little bit more speed, almost like a train that's starting to ramp up and move up and accelerate. It's the buildup. It's the buildup. And that is the energy inside of erotic touch. And then the next level on the touch continuum is sexual touch. And what distinguishes sexual touch from all other forms of touch we've talked about so far 
is that sexual touch has the purpose of sexual pleasure. What is interesting here is that a lot of activities can fall in most places on the touch continuum. So it's, it's that energy, it's that intent, it's that drive towards the experience of sexual pleasure specifically. So movements in and around and toward orgasm, for example. And the key thing to take away from this is that it's the energy and the intent that send the message and not the actual touch activity itself. And if you take nothing else away from this today, this is the thing that can kind of start changing everything. Let me give you the example of massage. And that's a touch activity that can send every single one of these five messages. So if you are injured and you're seeing a physiotherapist and you're going for physio massage, that's massage that's sending a healing message. If you are coming up behind one of your good friends and you give them a little, oh, a little shoulder massage as you're standing behind them, that's affectionate touch with massage. If you're doing massage with beautifully scented oil and you're luxuriating and how lovely it feels to be touched, that is sensual touch. If you're using massage to start building up anticipation and so maybe massage around the breasts or on the butt, that can be erotic massage. And then if you're having a form of massage leading towards sexual pleasure, then that's going to be your sexual touch. Most activities, most types of touch you can think of will fit within each of these energies, right? Within each of these messages. That means that there's right there's no one right way there's no precise formula there's no this type of touch always means this it's that energy behind it it's the intention behind it that really counts and two things that really feed into how the energy of your touch is received have to do with pressure so the amount of pressure that you're placing when you touch and also the speed with which your touch is moving. Pressure, usually the lighter a touch is, the further towards the beginning of the touch spectrum it is, and the more pressure there is, the further up the touch spectrum there is. Those aren't hard and fast rules, but this is to just give you a place to start. And then with speed, usually the slower the touch is, the further down on the spectrum it is, and the higher up the speed is, the further up the touch spectrum it is. Another really important piece of touch communication is the idea of asking and listening with touch. And this really comes down to a couple of different things. Context, pacing, and response. So in terms of context, that's really the context around where your touch communication is taking place. What is the interaction you're having? Is the person that you're with aware that you're on a date? Is this taking place inside of an already existing relationship? Why is this important? Because it will impact how you approach the initiation of touch communication it's a little bit different from if you're on a date with someone versus you're 
meeting somebody as a chance encounter at a bar. Part of what the key difference is there is inside of a dating context or inside of a pre-existing relationship context, there is already an expectation that touch communication will likely come up. Whereas when you're meeting someone who's a total stranger, in the encounter in a bar example, it's less clear. You don't have any shared context apart from that you're both at the bar. You don't know if that person has a partner or not. You don't know if that person is open to touch or not. And that's where it can be really handy to bring in some of your words into the communication or to really be sure that you begin at the very beginning when it comes to initiating a touch conversation. Regardless, though, begin every touch conversation with a greeting. Whether you're on a date or whether you're meeting somebody as a chance encounter or whether you're inside a relationship that's been going on for some time, it's really jarring to like jump right into some touch that's way up the touch continuum where you're not ready. This is this is kind of like the example of being on a date with somebody and then out of nowhere they jump in and kiss you. It's kind of jarring. It's kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like say hello to me first. So what does a greeting look like in touch? A greeting is very often in that affectionate touch area. So light, playful, fun. And usually takes place on the the sort of outer upper perimeter is a way to think of it. So that would be hand, that would be shoulder, that could be forearm, that could be upper arm. But sort of hands and arms are a good place to make the greeting. Beginning with a greeting is important because it's it's essentially your body saying hello to the other person's body. It can be as simple as a, a light touch on the arm saying, how are you? And from there, you get into a conversation. So however you choose to do a touch greeting, whether that's a touch on the hand or a touch on the shoulder or a touch on the upper arm, listen for the response. What does the other person say back through the means of touch? So it might be that you, you say hello with a touch on the hand. Do they then touch you back on the hand? Or are they then touching you on the forearm to make a point? Or do they maybe gently touch or tap your knee laughing at a joke? That's a touch conversation getting started. It's good to make your greeting and then just wait and listen for a response back from the other side. Because if what happens is you are doing all this touching and they're not saying anything back with touch, that's not a sign for you to continue with touch. That might be a sign that they're uncomfortable. That might be a sign that they're not interested. It might be a sign that they're not listening. But in all of those cases, you don't want to wind up having a one-sided conversation. And in particular, what you want to be listening for in touch is touch expressions of yes, please versus no thanks. So for example, let's say you go to open with a greeting by touching someone's forearm. And if they very quickly jerk their forearm back, that's a no thanks. If instead they sort of hold their arm there in a neutral resting or leaning into your hand a bit, that's a yes, please. And one other thing to listen for in terms of touch as well is 
Something folks do, which is also a no thanks, but isn't quite as clear as pulling their arm back right away, is they get tense. So again, I'd like you to try this yourself. Take your hand, place it on your forearm, and just have your forearm relaxed. Like, okay, so you're relaxed. And now I'd like you to go ahead and tense up your arm. So you can do that by balling your hand into a fist. You can do it by tensing the muscles. In both cases, can you feel the difference between the neutral or relaxed arm and the tense arm? This is something to watch for. Watch for those clear no's. So the moving away, so physically moving either a part of the body or the whole body away from the touch, or tensing. Those are cues that this isn't wanted, and it might be an opportunity for you to, to speak then with words and say, hey, I noticed that you were a little bit tense there. I'm really sorry. Could you let me know? Is there something you'd like me to not do? And then that gives them an opening to, to share with words what's going on. If you wind up getting a yes, please, so that looks like also sending touch in your direction, leaning into your touch, lingering with your touch, starting to touch in response to your touch, then you've got a conversation going. And, and that's really the secret. And that's something that it's very simple. And a lot of people get it wrong. So I'd love to give you a four-point action plan to take away from today, how you can start to integrate touch communication into your everyday life. And this first action for you is self-awareness. So that's taking a little bit of time to think about, okay, what are the messages I've received about touch? What is my current feeling about touch? Am I carrying a lot of anxiety with it? Am I excited about it, but feeling a bit confused? Find out where you fall in terms of what kind of role touch is playing in your life right now. Action number two is refining your sensory awareness. Incorporate sensory awareness activities into your life every day. I gave you earlier this great, great exercise, this practice to do every day in the shower of focusing your attention in on pleasurable sensations that come from the water hitting a point on your back. And the more sensory awareness you have about yourself, the more easily you're able to pick up on some of these responses I mentioned earlier when you're in a touch conversation with somebody. Action step number three is to desexualize touch. And one of the best ways to do this is start incorporating touch communication in all of your communications, not just those with people who you are potentially wanting to have sex with. What can that look like? That can look like when you are with friends, adding more affectionate touch or visiting your parents and you can see that your mom or your dad is tired, offer them some healing touch. Find ways to play around with all of the, the different touch messages on the touch continuum, not just only touching people when I'm interested in having sex with them. That creates a lot of pressure on touch. And finally, action step number four is I really encourage you, if it's possible for you, to get some body work done. What do I mean by this? I mean regularly going for massage and just enjoy receiving touch from somebody where you don't have to do anything in return, where you can just receive, where you can just soak up all of that touch and enjoy it and be fed by it. 
Because if you are regularly receiving touch from a body worker that you're able to enjoy, this also places less pressure on these encounters that may lead to relationships. If you go a very long time without receiving touch, it can add more and more pressure to each one of these interactions, which can make it much harder to relax, to enjoy yourself, and allow an organic touch conversation to come up rather than one that's got all of the weight of your expectations on top of it. So that brings us to the end of this introduction to touch communication today. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend about it. You can subscribe to or follow this podcast to be sure you never miss an episode. And you know what? Go ahead and leave a review too. That sounds like fun. And I will catch you right back here next week. Thanks for listening. If you want to jump right into the sexual craftsmanship process, head on over to sexualcraftsmanship.com backslash friendzone and download your free guide to avoiding the friendzone for good, including five exact scripts you can use today.